Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Bhutang tamang sangkang anutarang upajayang anamasami When I began Dhamma practice, I was um, quite filled up with uh, with so many worldly things, and so experiencing calm and peace were very rare experiences. And they essentially, um, for for certain moments brought me out of this this delusionary state of of just uh, seeing the world in in such a materialistic fashion in such a, a way of you know just what what I can get from it what I have to do to to, to fill myself up with it and it, it took a while to begin to see that there was essentially a a lack there. There was um, something like a, a, a deep hole that I didn't realize uh, couldn't it couldn't be filled by the things that I was filling it with. What I was what I was nourishing myself with, getting comfortable, having sensual pleasures, and relating to people. In, in very light ways, usually. So it, it took a while to see what you know what this um, this hole was, this lack was, a sense of, of discontent that the the Buddha spoke about. It was there underneath the surface, but it wasn't articulated, and there was so much doing and rushing around and um, becoming and self-improvement plans and friends and relationships and I didn't really have any idea what I was doing but I was really moving and uh, that's what seemed to matter and it, it was it was pointing at gain and success and uh, some sort of uh, search for happiness but it, it just it just wasn't yielding uh, satisfactory results and it, it, it just wasn't until I encountered the Dhamma that it it became very obvious that uh, I was I was nourishing myself in the wrong way but it was hard to figure out how to to nourish myself the right way to see how to fill this uh, this this lack because it, it there was a bit of a conundrum there is this sort of okay there's this discontent this not really being satisfied with with things then how do I you know how do I make myself content how do I create the right 
boundaries around my life that would that would create a sense of, of contentment. And so practicing Dhamma can easily become uh, just another self-improvement project. And sometimes it can just seem like uh, it's well, it's all going really well, but there's still this me somewhere else happy. And I think that's that's through not understanding clearly how one really lets go and and sees you know what what's causing the problem in the first place. We were reading about uh, Ajahn Chah, and some of you were, were were here for the readings around his indomitable search for for good requisites. He had a bowl without a cover, without a lid, and became obsessed with making a lid. This uh, outer robe here, he I'm not even sure if he had one. He he was obsessed with making one, created it in his mind for very long periods of time, uh, just meditating on that. I remember when I ordained as a, a monk, I I was quite dissatisfied with the the bowl I had as a novice, and uh, I couldn't really tell uh, Lumpurpasano that, but I wanted a new bowl for my, my bhikkhu ordination. So he asked to see, you know, my robes that I prepared, and did you have a bowl yet? And I said, oh yeah, I have this uh, this this bowl from when I was a seminar. A bunch of seminars have had it. It's sort of, you know, it's an old bowl. It's got a cut-off rim, and uh, and I think he already got the flavor of that. Asked me to see it, and then said, that'll do. <laughs> I was a bit devastated. <laughs> So I, um, okay, well, I guess that's it. But then a Kitina came uh, about four or five months later, and what was offered to Kitina was this new bowl, and uh, I, I really coveted that bowl. That's just the bowl I want. <laughs> and um, so the monks go kind of in line, and they... You know, they um, decide if they want anything from what's offered to Katina. Oh, nobody's taking that bowl. First clue. Why isn't anybody taking that bowl? So it comes to be my turn. I go, oh, okay, great. Well, I know I, I should pr- probably ask permission from Lumpurpasano. And uh, so I did that. I, I went, I took the bowl to him, and this was a while later, so he had kind of forgotten about giving me the other bowl, and I, I said, can I can I have this uh, bowl? It's offered at Katina. So it's freely offered bowl. And he did, wasn't very happy with my request. And he just, uh, he was kind of, there was other monks in the room, and I remember him smiling at the other monks and then looking down at me sternly. Said, What's wrong with your, your old bowl? Oh, well, this and that. And I'm squirming around now. And, um, and, he, and he, you know, he gives me a stern look and he says, well, let me see your old bowl. I said, now? He said, no, not now, just later. And that was that. And I, re- I recalled this, you know, the sutta 
that uh, that really the Buddha is imploring the monks not to be an heir in, in material things, but an heir in Dhamma. And it, it deals with two monks who've come back uh, from Amjrand who weren't able to eat, and they weren't able to get food that morning, and the Buddha had a fair amount of leftover food in his bowl. And uh, the first monk considered, well, I haven't eaten, and the Buddha is freely offering me this food, and I can be nourished for the day, and so he decides to, to take some of it. But the other monk, he he thinks, well, I, I could take this, this food, and I could nourish myself for the day, but I could also, I could also do without, you know, I could, I could focus on, on seeing what that experience is like, understand the Dhamma from that perspective, and, and the Buddha praised the second monk. I mean, obviously it's okay to eat food, you need it, but, but he praised him for having the higher understanding, the higher insight. So I, I didn't get much sleep that night. Uh, and I was kind of tossing and turning. And the next morning I saw Ajahn Pasano and I really didn't want to look at him. I was quite embarrassed about the situation. And he said, I, he was standing up in the, um, in the sala and I was setting up the, setting up the room for mealtime. He said, Chunda, come over here. And he was talking to a, a woman who was sta- standing next to him. And he just said, you can have the bowl. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I was quite exuberant at that point because I, had, I had decided I wasn't going to ask him, but I said, oh, I, I'm so sorry that I was an heir in material things. I was, I was not an heir in Dhamma. And, and I, don't, I just, I don't know, I came up with this number. I said, I, I won't accept another bowl for 25 years. <laughs> and he said, oh, good, I'll give you your next one. So that, that bowl has always stood as a, a symbol for me, looking for how, how it was that I was trying to fulfill this, this lack in, in is the wrong direction. Yeah, it wasn't in harmony with, with what I was trying to understand from the Dhamma. And so there's, you know, there's just sort of a, uh, a lot of gratitude around that, that teaching that the Lumpur gave me. And so I, I think it's, it's, it's sometimes hard to, to understand this because we're, we're creating our, our lives and the ways that, that we are sometimes without really seeing or constructing identities around our, you know, our, our practice and, and what it is and what it means to us and what meditation is, uh, our lives, who I am, what I am, how I, and this is sort of um, how, we, how we nourish ourselves, is creating these stories about ourselves. I'm a very fearful person, I'm a tranquil person, or I'm, you know, I'm a person who's just, I don't think I'll be able to get it together. And we tell ourselves these, these stories and construct construct them all the time and they're being brought up. And I you know, I find it's just there's this kind of at least in my own experience, this kind of sense of like I am not getting it right. I'm not sure if I'll get it right. And there's and it, it comes from this sense of, of, of dissatisfaction, of discontent. Just not not being okay with 
not having sama. Like there's 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 no rightness to it. There's no no harmony there. And I think uh, a lot of the a lot of the practice is is in terms of of looking at how we're nourishing ourselves, how we're feeding ourselves, is looking at, at really our our own happiness. So there is you know there is there is happiness uh, within us, but often we're we're looking in the wrong direction. We're trying to fill up this lack in in so many different ways, and sometimes we. Sometimes we get it right, and and sometimes not. But without without a, a sense of goodwill for ourselves, I think the the practice will essentially lack a fair amount of of movement in a in a wholesome direction. And I think this this is particularly hard. It's uh, to to generate this uh, sense of kindness. For many of us, uh, the cultures we've been brought up, up in are, are haven't really engendered that sort of a, a will to goodness, a will to to kindness. Sometimes it's it's interesting. You can you can look at how how easy it can be to be kind to other people at times, and and then looking at at yourself. Uh, at least this is from my own experience. It's, it's sometimes kind of hard to. Just you know, have that friendly, friendly sense. I remember a, a poem that a, a monk wrote in English, and it was, uh, it was a Thai monk, and he, it was something like, you know, "The sky is blue, and the leaves of the trees are fresh green, and every day I am a friend to myself." And so I think I think it's up to us to to really look for the happiness in our practice the joy in our practice because it's you know it's it's in there it sometimes can be we're just not we're not uh, finding it so easily there's a, a title of a talk Lumpur Semedo gave I don't remember the talk so well but it was uh, kiss the joy as it flies by and that's really a good it's a good saying to to bring to mind. You know, awaken. There's there's got to be some sort of awakening to the joy in there because you know we can we can find it within ourselves. Those are dhamma vichaya is about sort of examination of qualities. There's, there's spaciousness. There's openness. There's a sense of of wellness. And so we can we can reflect on those qualities and and bring them in them into our, our practice. The way I was taught meditation practice was to take up an object, uh, a, s- a singular object in the body, and, and just focus on that. Bring it up and you know, concentrate the mind. And so it, it wasn't until later as a monk that there was, there's been a, a sense of, of looking elsewhere, looking at, at certain qualities of the citta qualities of, of the experience and bringing you know bringing that up bringing you know if I can if I can find a, a sense of, of goodness lightness spaciousness then then that all that my making and I making starts to slow down a bit and it just becomes a very enjoyable process of being with the body
So I was talking about this morning, just being with fear. I wouldn't have believed it earlier on in my life, but how pleasant it can be to, to just experience fear. Because there isn't any fighting to get away from it. There isn't a, a, a contention against it. It's just there and, and it's okay. And then the habits come back, the contention comes back a bit, but that can be that can be dropped again. And so what we're what we're discovering is is often to to let go of this tendency towards towards uh, doing the meditation, getting something from the meditation, getting something from my practice. Because it, it seems to me that when I when I'm able to drop that 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 search for for satisfaction, that search to get something to make it better, make it work. There's just this this natural openness that that arises, and it's a it's a friendly feeling. It's a friendly experience, and it's it's a really like a oh yeah. Why did I ever search in the other the other direction? What's the point? Yeah, of course. Five minutes later, the mind's out out again charged up, activated, and going forward with its new plan. But the more we can, we can find that steadiness at home, the more that contentment arises. And it comes from, you know, contentment comes from, from watching discontent. It doesn't come from making ourselves content. So just that, that watching of, as I was talking about fear, when contentment arises, and so this, this project that we have, this project of the, the Buddha's path, it starts to, to disappear. It you know, essentially starts to become quite meaningless because it's not, it's not helpful to be a project. And we, we can, there's a possibility for dwelling more and more in this open field and in it is is a, a joy, a joy for the practice, and an interest in the practice, and a zeal that just just keeps moving the mind in inward and more inward. When dhamma is brought in, and so of course we don't really need to be hard on ourselves when when the mind goes back out again. It's just that's just the natural tendency. But eventually it's possible to get to a point where we're not meditating anymore. We're not doing meditation. The meditation's doing us. And I think that's where all of the the eye-making, the mind-making, the, the, all these stories just, they just vanish into thin air. The conjurer's trick is no longer, it's no longer fooling us. And I think that this is, you know, it's, it's often quite difficult to see because as we're, we're working from contact, feeling to perception, you know, our perceptions are, are tinting our experience, you know, overlaying what we experience with sense impressions just sort of feelings of what 
what our experiences are, and it's essentially their their impingements, and we're getting there's this you know this agitation that's occurring, and so our practice is is getting to be more and more aware of those those tones that we experience, and tones of experience that cloud us over, and are quite confusing and and, and deluding. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you've had a difficulty with uh, uh, someone and uh, this can be like a rant going around in the head and in the mind and anyway, you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning and it's gone. The rant's gone, kind of the aversion isn't there anymore and, and the mind's moving towards whatever it's moving towards. And then all of a sudden it just, there it is, it just goes, like, it's just like a, um, a storm that comes in. Like, oh yeah, that person I was upset with, right? And he did this and did that, oh god, I can't believe that. And then it, goes, it just starts again, and, oh, you know, what was that about? You know, I was so happy a moment ago. And it was this, it was this, yeah, as Ajahn Suchito's Matai was activation charging up that is is quite hard to see because we have these these tints of perception so we're we're trying to introduce new perceptions uh, new ways of of seeing and and moving our our tendencies of mind that you know we're forming all of these these ways that we usually think I'm like this I do that and we have our whole external experience that we're trying to control, exert some control over and, and see as, as really permanent and, and mine. And we're just getting the feel of that more and more. There's sort of comfort around that whole, how that process works. And we're looking for uh, qualities that are, that are encouraging us towards seeing, seeing that. And the practice isn't, isn't, it sometimes seems like it, but it's not. Uh, it's not all drudgery. You sometimes think that I'm a Theravada practitioner, very serious about what it is that I'm doing. Death is coming soon, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to be vigilant. I have no time to waste. And that's, you know, that's true, but it's not very fun. It's, there's, there's not a lot of joy there. So it can, it, you know, there's a, a dryness that can then occur in that desert. And we're, we're sort of trying to infuse it with a softness, you know, sort of a, make it more of a liquidy environment, uh, sort of um, billowy and, and light. And finding, you know, finding that, that that goodness, filling ourselves up with a different kind of nourishment. So this takes what we essentially call right right effort, but it's sort of uh, how we. It takes a sense of knowing how to apply our our minds, how to uh, really look at at this practice that we're doing from uh, a sense of, of really being a detective. And that's where that, that interest is actually something that, that allows us to access 
uh, goodness and joy so that we're we're not we're not trying to to, to find that from in, in worldly ways and it's it's very tempting it's very um, tempting to, to look towards the world to to find try to find that contentment and in, in certain ways we you know, we do want to we do want to use uh, the goodness that we see to to aid us in our practice so I you know, I've, been, I've been thinking about as I as I receive the food every day there you know that I'm not sure why but there's there's not a, a much of a an interest these days in the um, in so much as what's being offered there's not uh, the, the ooh and ah that, that I, I've usually seen in myself but what, what happens uh, every day now is just this uh, gratitude for the, the generosity oh look someone someone put time and effort into to preparing this like that or making so much of this and so there's there's quite an uplifting quality in that taking delight in in others generosity but that that does come from that that mudita and that delight does it it does uh, come from from within and then it aids the practice there can just be so much happiness that that that's seen out of out of others being so giving and helpful and so that 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 quality that sense of goodness you know helps us uh, reflect on our, our own generosity you know what is the good that, that we've done before we were down encouraged us to 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 wish each other well every night can ask for forgiveness every night from each person and so we get to see that that joy more more easily in our practice, and it fills us, and it uh, it creates the the right conditions for the heart to to open. It's sort of like um, with I- identifying these these good qualities within. It's like the mind doesn't need to to search outside anymore to nourish itself. There still can be um, habits and these underlying tendencies that they're kind of moving, moving outward slightly. But we know how to how to bring them in. We know how to contain the the, the mind. It's kind of like the you know, waves on a on a seashore on a beach. They just kind of they come out. Well, they just draw back in. The ocean just stays as it is, and of course, eventually, we can contain it so that it's as still as a you know, mountain, mountain lake. It's contained by the mountains around it. But what what we're what we're learning is is to see that there's not a a, a tsunami there, and when there is. Then we, we're learning the skills of how to uh, how to calm it, how to bring it back, but in a joyous way, in a way that's touching into that that internal satisfaction and happiness, knowing that 
we're filling up that that lack in with the right nourishment beginning to let go of our attachments without creating more towards our expectations of, of how things should be particularly how things should be in our practice so that as I said before there just there isn't a practice anymore so I, I just want to encourage everyone to look for that that sweet spot to find that friend within yourself it's it's in there but sometimes it takes some some searching so you're 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 learning how to kiss that joy as it flies by and using it to to buoy up your your understanding of the Dhamma. So I offer that for your reflection. Andamayang Dhammakathaya Sadhukaranda Dhamma Se Sadhukaranda Dhamma Se